Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome, everybody, to the Battle World Podcast here on LRM's Genreverse Podcast Podcast Network. Uh, this is where we get to talk about war mo- movies. Uh, if you don't get what Battle World is, uh, maybe this is your first time at our, our site, but it's a uh, throwback to Marvel Comics Secret Wars, uh, where they brought all the characters together, and we got, well, a, a Marvel war movie, and, well... Guys, Just to kind of link it into your bread yeah, and butter, which exactly. is, you know, geek not to mention, we might actually get a Secret Wars movie in the future. Uh, would that count as a war movie to, to do here? I, I, don't, I, I, know. I don't think so, no. Um, so it's a pretty cool uh, little thing. We we did uh, our first episode last month um, celebrating, not celebrating, but in honor of the uh, uh, Operation Overlord uh, D-Day invasions, and we covered uh, uh, Saving Private Ryan. And with the 4th of July weekend coming up, of course, we had to remain here in the United States of America, much to Cam's, uh, what's the word? Ch- chagrin, I think, think it is. Ch- um, chagrin. There you go. Uh, but um, we had a kind of a choice. Could we go with, with you know, something Independence Day themed or something Gettysburg themed? And guess what we did? Well, you can see the thumbnail. So you, could, you clicked on Gettysburg. <laughs> So let me let me set set the this first off. We have uh, myself, Kyle Malone, uh, Mike Shockey, uh, as as usual, one of the uh, co- cohorts over at the cantina with us, and uh, site admin here at lrmonline.com. Our other other co-host and other other cohort from the cantina, my original co-host over there, Cam Clark, senior editor and writer for for the web website, and. Then, then a special guest, uh, a history teacher and a uh, pu- published and still writing his historian and trying to uh, get his doctorate, uh, my father, uh, Tony Malone. So welcome, Dad, to uh, your very first podcast ever, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Mike, how you doing today? I'm doing good. Just enjoying this little bit of heat that we have going on here. Um, but yeah, besides that. Everything's going great. <laughs> and Cam, bud, how, how are things treat, treating you across the pond? Yeah, even we've got a little bit of heat for Scotland at the moment. It's been nice the last couple of days. So, yeah, just it's nighttime now, obviously, here. But, um, yeah, it's been good. You know, this is this is kind of, kind of cool. The, this movie is something that I, I grew up watching with, my, with my, my dad. One of my earliest film memories, I think I've said this, is Hamburger Hill. Like, just... Look, he's not. The, I this you know. I can't even you know say how how tall tall I was. Four or five years old, old, and I can remember uh, the VHS cassette 
sets of uh not sets but like the uh black boxes we we had all lay siege at firebase glory uh Br bridge too far pl platoon Patton, wa waterloo <laughs> like, i read you books of napoleon to go to sleep by yeah absolutely <laughs> which i i actually have that book uh for my son my son as as well and um gettysburg was pr pretty special because it was one of the first movies that i was a little bit older and could um have a little bit more grasp on it, I guess, guess you could say, uh, as far as seeing it for the fir first time. And my father is just a huge Civil War buff, uh, can walk the in the entire uh, battlefields out here in Virginia and point at each tree that Lee or Jackson or, or uh, Longstreet pissed behind. And uh, he's done it once, too, on a, on a trip a few years ago. Literally, there's little fla flags out there for tr tree pissing. And... Um, yeah, Gettysburg is is a really big deal, and we got a cool split here. Uh, my father's got his you know credentials. Mike is a his, history teacher. Cam is a history buff. But the cool th thing is, Cam Scottish doesn't know too much about this Civil so War, and actually got to watch this movie for the no, first I mean, time we, ever. We, we we never we never got taught Civil War at, at school. Mm -hmm. So um, you know. I suppose my experience the Civil War is just watching documentaries and stuff and just kind of self-interest that, you know, if there was a documentary in the telly, you know, I think I watched one that was, I can't remember what it was called, and it was like several episodes long and it just kind of walked you through the whole whole kind of thing. So um, so I was aware of, you know, the significance of, of Gettysburg, but um, I had never seen the film before, no. Didn't even know it existed. There you go. Wow. Um let me let me go ahead and start with with uh, Tony, uh, Dad. What did you when this when this movie for, first came out? I know you got to see it in theaters uh, with uh, uh, a, a former friend uh, before you and I I saw it together. What was it? What was it like seeing this movie? Because it's it's different than a lot of war movies out there, where this really tries to bl blend almost documentary meets Hollywood. Well, you know, it's based on a a. A historical novel. I mean, that's what you got to call the Killer Angels historical novel, but mm. it's a very well written historical novel. I guess what appeals to me about the movie is that they actually used reenactors mm. as all the extras and in a lot of cases as the uh, experts mm. for the movie. And I don't know how many people's ever talked to these reenactors, but they really take their stuff seriously. I mean, they go all out to try to make it as accurate as can be. So uh, well, I don't trust Hollywood for history as far as I could throw somebody. Uh, I do trust uh, the reenactors, just like I trust veterans when they tell me, you know, this war movie, like Saving Private Ryan, veterans that had hit the beach said, hey, this was spot on. So I trust it being spot on. I had some doubts about some of the... Uh, uh, actors they chose you know at first uh martin sheen as robert e lee kind of worried me uh, martin sheen's a very uh, uh liberal-minded guy so war's not exactly things that left-to-center people really like to think and talk about at least Delve in any positive yeah. way uh but uh while he's not the best looking lee uh i thought he did an excellent job yeah of lee's mannerisms i've probably Got at least uh, eight to nine uh, biographies on Lee, anywhere from making Lee the god of war to 
Lee being the worst general that ever walked the face of the earth. Who wrote you know, that one? So, <laughs> well, there are criticisms. Oh, yeah, you know? for, for sure. And to be a good historian, you have to uh, look at the historiography of all of it, whether mm -hmm. it's positive or negative lines. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but overall, I, I thought this was a very well done movie. Uh, very historically accurate, at least in the basics. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't always say they said this yeah. for sure or that for sure, but yeah. they, they gave the flow of the movie quite well to history. Definitely, definitely. And kind of with that, you know, the reason why we chose chose this film, like I said, is the date. We're coming up on 158, 159, 158 years uh, since the Battle of, of Gettysburg. Uh, this is going out either on the 2nd or, or 3rd of, of July here in, in 2021. Uh, but this this battle is, is incredibly important to um, American history, to, to world history when you look at what the world stage witnessed and saw in their their papers as telegraph lines lit up on july 3rd and and 4th and and 5th and um as news spread of what happened in a little town in in pennsylvania and uh when we get into this movie i want everyone to uh understand that we're we're not going to be talking politics politics were a part of the the war but we're talking about an individual battle and we're going to be talking about individual uh people and and military related things okay and we're going to be talking in historical context so uh if you're sensitive if you think you're gonna start scrolling through and and looking for for any gotcha moments this isn't the place or time this is all completely in in the context that we just framed it so uh with that you know you can feel free to hit this dislike button and go fuck yourself. But for those of you that like to stay here and listen and, and have some fun and, and challenge your thoughts and get to see maybe a great movie that you hadn't considered seeing before or even see it in a, in a different light, this is definitely uh, the place to be. We're going to cover it in a couple of uh, themes, like we did uh, the, the um, Saving Private Ryan. And one of the first things is exactly what I, I just mentioned, historical significance. Mike, you're a history teacher, man. Um, how have you approached this battle in your, your classes? Um, so teaching American history, like when we go over Civil War, we'll talk about the the battles, whether it's in Tietam, Vicksburg, um, Fredericksburg. So Gettysburg is the turning point of the war. You know, the, the onset of the war, we saw, we see a lot of uh, Confederate victories because of the two different strategies that are put in place. You have the Union yeah. uh, uh, battle plan of the Anaconda plan, where it's just like an Anaconda snake, basically surrounding the entire Confederacy and with its, you know, strength squeezing down on the Confederate cut off all supplies and every, um, and any type of uh, resources that would help them last where in the Confederacy defense defense. And, you know, where we see a lot of the early victories for, you know, um, the Confederacy is basically they got to pick and choose the battles where they wanted to be in the, in the, um, in the Southern States. And so when we see Gettysburg different, it's a different, uh, strategy because, you know, I, I explained to my students that at this point in time, the Confederacy's run supplies, the Confederacy, you know, it realizes that grants coming from the West with his troops and, and that the 
significance of blockading, you know, the, the Atlantic Ocean and all the, the different parts of uh, the Anaconda plan are, are working just in a slow manner. So mm -hmm. if Lee and the Confederate soldiers can swing around and basically surround Washington, D.C., then, you know, it's the, you know, it's the old game of chess when you, you know, capture the capital, you basically have, you know, pretty close to checkmate there. And that was kind of the, if the Union soldiers don't hold Lee and the Confederate soldiers from getting to Washington, D.C., we might have a different, you know, different story there. So, you know, that's where, when I teach it's get, if that does, if that doesn't go the union's way, we might have, you know, we definitely will have a different, you know, alternate history, you know, going forward from that moment important. So, you know, the focus is, is how, you know, that in that moment in that time period. And then you have Abraham Lincoln who goes to Gettysburg, you know, this is, you know, it's time to see the, you know, the, the repercussions of the battle, and then giving the Gettysburg Address. So it's all tied in to this big climactic theme that this war was something just a casual war. This is not just a, a fight over land. This was not, and they kind of mentioned, you know, and you hear the themes brought out in a lot throughout this movie is that this is not just a regular war. These are men fighting against family, fighting against friends that, you know, and mm -hmm. that this is something different that, you know, very rarely is ever seen in history. So, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, significant importance in our history as a country. Uh, and I try to convey that as much as possible to my students to, to understand that it wasn't just a regular battle. It just wasn't something that, you know, hey, the you know, Union won and, and then they started going on a, uh, you know, on a run and won the war after that. Very, very cool. Uh, my father also teaches history as, as well. Um, in addition to the, like I said, the military history degrees that he, that he has, um dad is that approach pretty much similar to what your your guys do in school and what do you do with civil war era, era in your military history class well when i taught u.s history that's uh, been a couple years because now i'm doing government uh being in high school we take from the reconstruction on mm -hmm. uh so i don't get chance to cover that in regular u.s history but military history uh, you know, uh, it's just not teaching the bat, you know, battles and what I call the beans and bullets, but we cover all kinds of aspects. But when we talk about Gettysburg, some of the things that we key in on is one, it's the a turning point because it's the last time that Lee will invade the North. Right. Okay? And so that's seen as a, a, a turning point there. And it's from that point on that Lee is always kept on the defense, at least strategically defense mm -hmm. okay uh, lee differed from a lot of other generals at the time who and including jefferson c day was the president and realizing that you can't defend this huge country called the confederate states of america they just don't have the the resources man equipment whatever and that time was against them you know they were going to always grow weaker so he always sought to find that one battle, that one, uh, it's like going back to Napoleon's thing. Napoleon was always looking for that one knockout battle. If you look mm -hmm. at Napoleonics, most of his campaigns ended, including the wars, because, you know, they had so many different, what they call the coalitions against him, right. after one major battle. And that's what Lee was looking for. And so Gettysburg was the one time that he had that chance, both 
strategically, tactically. He had a, an army, the largest he had ever commanded since the early days of the Seven Days Battles. And it was a pretty much a veteran army. Mm-hmm. So everything was kind of going Lee's way at that point. And so that's another reason you want to see it as this very crucial moment in history, this one last great chance where everything's on Lee's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, of course, you know, uh, you have what we call the fog of war, which means anything can happen and mm-hmm. uh, Lee loses. Yeah. So it's that it's why it's the turning point. He'll never have the resources or everything going his way after that point. Mm. So, so Cam, this is really kind mm-hmm. of, I mean, like you, you said, you'd seen a lot of document or not maybe a lot, but you'd seen some documentaries and stuff, but this is kind of your fir- first look at some of the more personal stories and, and like soldiering of the civil war era. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like the names other than, you know, Grant and Lee, I'm not, I wasn't familiar with any of the names, mm-hmm. um, you know, that you guys are rhyming off and obviously these people are famous to, you know, but Je- the, you know, the, the character Jeff Daniels plays the character, you know, um, Tom Be- Berenger plays, you know, they, mm-hmm. these are just new people to me. The only one that I could, you know, key in on from that movie is is Lee because mm-hmm. you know obviously he, well you know I mean you G- yeah. General Lee has been heard about for you know it's you you never not hear about that name you know in history so um, you know yeah so so it was quite you know a completely new experience for me yeah. What did you what did you think about the way way this this film showed? Uh, a major historical uh, moment in U.S. history to where to where we're really without. Was it difficult for you to get in, into it, Cam? Being no, not, because I'm not an American. No, because I just enjoy sort of history. So I think I'd say to you that you know, like if you, if you split it almost into three days, right? That mm-hmm. I can enjoy the first day the most, which mm-hmm. might be you know unpopular because. You know, that's not really, there's only one sort of battle at that point, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's, it's sort of later on, it's more all the setup. But that's that's the kind of part that interested me more, you know, how they all got into this sort of situation in the first place. Um, and kind of getting introduced to some of the characters that, you know, well, the characters and real life people that, you know, I didn't really know anything about at all. Very cool. So, well, um, let's go ahead and get into, uh, you know, for, for lack of a better phrase, since we're talking a movie here, the char- characters, but we're talking about the historical figures. And the movie does uh, look for a few key characters to, to follow. And if you're into the hi- history and you know, know your history, of course, you're going to follow Lee. You're going to follow Meade, who takes command right as the bat- battle is, is ca- coming around. Um you you expect to hear things about Buford and and things like that, but we we get to we get to meet some other other characters. We get to spend some time with Yule. We get to spend some time with Ar- Armistead and and Hooker. Um, I appreciate the extra dialogue from Reynolds when he first rides in into town and meets with Buford on on the first day. Um, you get to meet these these characters that played some big parts in this this even bigger battle and really look at look at them in a in a historical 
aspect and a human aspect. It shows the successes and the failures. Um, it, it's really, really hard, especially t- today, to approach uh, this top, this movie, this or this this war, uh, in in the same way that that they they did. Because I don't think that there was at any time in this film where they were trying to portray anyone in any way other than his historical, you know? Yeah. You embellish on things that are said lines and stuff like that. But I, I wanted, uh, ask my dad, who did you find, uh, kind of like to be the most historically accurate in, in this film, dad? Oh, well, it's kind of a tie for three. I'll pick on two Confederates. Of course, I thought, again, that uh, Martin Sheen did a great job with Lee and his mannerisms and stuff. Uh, and in some cases, uh, that was one of the downfalls of Lee is the way he, he commanded things. Uh, I also liked uh, the portrayal of Armistead. Uh, mm. He was always an interesting character uh, that you know, history don't cover a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, for the union, uh, you, and of course, they zero in on him, and he's probably got more time as uh, on the union side for filming than anybody else's. Is uh, Chamberlain? Mm-hmm. He's a very interesting character who's going to play a significant role from that point all the way to the final surrender at Appomattox. And yes, if you read about Chamberlain. Uh, they did a pretty good job with him. I mean, I thought Jeff Daniels did an excellent job of portraying him. Uh, so they would be the three that I would zero in as being, you know, ones that they really captured the essence historically of these characters. That's that's really, really cool to hear uh, about Ar- Armistead because you're right. There's not a lot written about written about him um shocky with this movie and and just your interest when it when it came out you you're you sit be- in age between cam and i right yeah okay um and then uh so you were a little bit o- older than me what kind of led you to to really enjoy this film and be able to to get in into it so let's see um when the movie came out uh it was in it was like 93 okay so i was living yeah. Yeah, so I was living in um, just north of Atlanta, Georgia during that period when uh, that came out. And so, of course, uh, Ted Turner, um, who kind of orchestrated the film to go from, it was originally supposed to be a made-for-TV film. Mm -hmm. And then when production started and everything, he kind of orchestrated it to go straight to to theaters to get you know an actual theatrical release on it. And so, of course, Ted Turner's headquarters... Um, TNT and CNN being in Atlanta, Georgia, it was a big to do. So when the movie came out, you know, the, the newspapers, the news, everything, you know, made a big ordeal about it. And so uh, my dad, who, you know, is, is, you know, into, you know, war movies and history and stuff decided, you know, to take me on there, uh, to the film, you know, not knowing four hours long, he thought it was going to be just a regular two hour <laughs> flick. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're sitting in there for a very, very, I mean, it, it showed what I like about this film, right, is that 
it shows the humanity of war. Okay, a lot of the, the war movies during that time period. You 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 know you're talking about Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger's. You know the mm-hmm. the give me a, a rocket and I'm gonna blow something up, and it's all about explosions at that time period. And so this was drastically different. A lot of dialogue, a lot of action that I was thinking was gonna happen, and it's more you talking about you know the 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 human side of, of in getting to know these these individuals and their and, and really the brotherhood that they had going into this war and, and during this yeah. war um and i think the the greatest line i don't know why it stuck with me um but i remember it from the uh you know from watching as a kid and then to you know and when i rewatched it again before this was uh sam elliott's character um it was Buford in, on the first day. He's his thing was, uh, if I could remember correctly, it was that today has already been decided. We're fighting for tomorrow, and in basically on day one, Buford's holding you know the line to try to prevent the Confederates to grind into Gettysburg. And so every time I, I heard that line, I was like, that's that's a great point because you know you look back at you know previous you know wars. And you look at it's all about the the. the the today has already been decided now what you're doing is you're basically preparing for and you're you know orchestrating for tomorrow's battle and stuff so and that's what kind of you have to watch this film like that you know you're not watching you know when the the day one of july 1st for the immediate victory you're you're seeing everything being set up for the next day and then everything for the next day which you know july 2nd robert e lee's putting everything together and then he's saying all right on july 3rd we're, we're making our, our big attack. And so everything was already put in place. You know, it, it was today was already in long street at the end saying, this is not going to work. Everything's already set up. It's, it's to our disadvantage. And so that's kind of what, when I heard that line in the film, you know, as a kid, it, it kind of opened my eyes to it and, and kind of, it, it made me see, you know, war in a different light after that. Nice. Cam. Was there a particular uh, general or officer character that you latched onto that really helped you in into the the story parts of this this film? Um, I mean, I, it's probably better to look at them sort of from my point of view, just the performances I enjoyed. Um, so I enjoyed sort of Jeff Daniels. Um, I enjoyed Martin Sheen. Um, Tom Berenger, I thought was very good. Um, and um, Sammy Elliott, although he's only kind of really at the start of it. Um, I thought, I thought, yeah, I just like Sammy Elliott and anything to be honest. You know, he's just got that way about him. And uh, I just probably kind of like on what Mike's saying there, I liked a lot of his lines. You know, I mean, I did like that as well. The way he kind of he described everything that was going to happen and how it, they weren't, it wasn't going to work but they had to do it anyway, you know what I mean? was just, you know, that was pretty cool. So, again, that's probably why I say, like, the sort of three days yet that I just felt like I enjoyed the, the, the first part of it the most. Um, so, yeah, those those are the kind of three that probably would, would have stood it to me. But, again, not knowing the, the historical characters too well and how if, whether they match up at all, you know, I didn't know. But, you know, I just enjoyed the performances. So the performances are are engaging, and that's that's awesome to hear. You you know, um, this is an older mo- movie, so your your setups aren't you know high high as as they are the these days. It wasn't a Spielberg film. Th- film, Jesus, can't can't speak. Uh, it's like I got injured in a never. No, it, it doesn't feel like a. 
I'm I'm not sure how great it is as a film, as a piece mm-hmm. of entertainment, because it's it is obviously very long and and you know, you know, it's not got that kind of Hollywood shine pizzazz it. about yeah. it. But that's the point of it, of course. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's that it's supposed to, um, as you know, as as Tony said, you know, they used a lot of reenactors and 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 people like that to try and get more of the kind of accuracy right rather than actors and explosives and guts flying everywhere and stuff like that but kind of that's what I expected to kind of see the real horror of it and and I think you know one of you made a good point that what they kind of focused on instead was the kind of the, the what's the word I'm looking for that it wasn't like a normal war in terms of um, oh, you yeah, know like opposing sides because usually right friend. you know when, when you have a war, there's this almost kind of, and I'm not going to use any of the terms, but, you know, every, every sort of army has negative terms for the the, the, bad, right. side, the, the bad side in their mind because that's the focus yeah. that you go into, you know. I mean, you have to, you know, being a soldier, I've never done it like you guys, but, you know, I know people that are in that, have been in that sort of environment, and, you know, that's just the way you've got to get your thinking into and this war wasn't really like that, you know. There was a hell of a lot of respect, you know, on both sides, and and you know, you you especially see that obviously as a Amistad and um, what's yeah, the other guy's name, Hancock. You know, you don't see so much of Hancock, do you? Really, in the the movie, it's more for a sort of Amistad's side of things. Um, but um, yeah, so you know, it, it, it is strange. I remember my first ever exposure to. The Civil War was as a kid, and you remember that old program North and South that yes. used to be on. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if you get your dad will certainly remember this. It was Pat, Patrick Swayze, and I can't remember yep. who else it was. Um, and you know, I remember them having these kind of battles where, to begin with, in the war, there was like women and children kind of watching it and stuff like that. And that's mm-hmm. the, that's what kind of sticks in my head that it just it didn't it was a strange thing i could never understand why these people who really liked each other were having to fight against each other because of course at that age i didn't fully understand it yeah um and and that's what this movie kind of i think does well um and why it's a little bit different from what maybe i was expecting and and what you would expect to see in most war films uh you know, Armistead's been br- brought up quite a bit, and uh, to- Tony, why don't you kind of ex- explain, you know, that that whole brother versus brother, friend versus friend re- relationship? How far back did Armistead and Hancock go, and and other relationships that were like that? Well, a lot of it, and not all officers on both sides were West Pointers, but right. many were West Pointers, and many served together in the Mexican-American War. And they on, served on as, as what branch, Dad? Dad? What what branch were well, they? Uh, a lot of them were, were infantry. There were some of cavalry. Were, of course. What? Engineers? Uh, <laughs> Lee, Lee was an engineer, yes. In fact, Anyways. Lee graduated second highest in his West Point class and to this day still earns the one thing that no one's ever been able to do. He spent all four years without one demerit. Mm. Damn. You know, uh but uh, so, you know, they served together down in, in Mexico. In fact, uh, Longstreet, one of his best friends in the old army, as they used to say it back then, was 
Grant. And so Armistead, Reynolds, and Hancock were very close. And so being a Southerner and people again um, have to realize that soldiers do not fight for the same reasons their country sent them to war. Right. Yeah. And by the time it's all done, most of the time the soldiers are serving because of the man to their left or right, or, you know, and that's part of the brotherhood. Well, this 100%. brotherhood has existed since West Point. And so uh, the thought of fighting each other, well, it, 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 it tugged at their souls, you know, but you went where you felt your honor went. You got to realize that. During this time frame in the United States history, we were United States of America in name only. If you asked somebody back then, where are you from? They didn't say, well, I'm from the United States. They said, no, I'm a Virginian. I'm yeah. a Tennessean. Yeah. You know, uh, so uh, that's why they fought. And But that never really negated that brotherhood they felt. So it, it went back quite a few years. You're talking 10, 15, whatever amount of years it might have been, how far back they served from West Point or under or the Mexican-American War. Uh, and Hancock, I mean, Hancock and, and uh, uh, Armistead, of course, Reynolds would die at the battle. And so well, Armistead, too, at the height of the battle, at the height mm -hmm. of Getty's uh, Pickett's Charge. So uh, it's another reason I think I, I kind of... Uh, uh, gravitate a little bit to Armistead in that story. You know, it's mm. kind of a sad story if you think about it. You know, these two guys, they're like brothers and only people that served in combat can understand that sometimes brothers go beyond blood, you know, mm -hmm. your fellow combat vets. Um, and so uh, it's, it's kind of a, you know, like I said, a heart-wrenching story, you know, of how it ends up. Two of them die, one's left alive. Yeah, so. mm. really, really rough. And I, I've contemplated what picture I might have on this this podcast because I, I did get to go visit the battlefield uh, as as an adult as an an adult before my my health t took a turn. And um, you want to talk about sobering uh, for for a anyone is is got to be that that place. Uh, my father. Had dragged my family to countless battlefields, many of which we fully enjoyed wholeheartedly, from uh, Kennesaw Mountain and and places Chicamaga, in, in Georgia, all of all of that. Uh, little ones wherever we we lived nearby, the Fort Donaldson and things. But Gettysburg is like a uh, an American ba battlefield mecca. If there's if there's one in 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 our country, that that's it. You know, when you go look for World War II sites, people think Normandy, they think Berlin, you know, um, they might think, you know, the UK for, of course, the, the Battle of, of Britain. Yeah, I mean, there's not no, much to see in but... Britain, though, because, you know, in, that, in those days, everything was just bombed to hell. Mm -hmm, so, exactly. you know, half the place that exists now just wasn't there back then. So there's not a lot to really... See, see other than monuments, monuments and, stuff, and yeah. statues and stuff but not actually like the pictures you showed me where right. you know you're literally saying like this is the hell that, that they fought on here and mm -hmm. you know we, we don't i mean 
and especially from someone in Scotland, if you go back far enough where battles, I mean, you could, for example, our most famous battle was probably Bannockburn, um, and you can go to roughly where that happened, but there's nothing, to, it's just a field, you know, yeah. and nobody can really tell you exactly, you know, everything that happened because there just wasn't enough historical records back then. I tell you one for the UK though. I, I've not got to see it. Uh, my mom made a trip over to uh, Scotland and, and, and England and Scotland and all that. But uh, one that I think you could put to some sort of the reverence of Gettysburg, at least in that that area field, that would have been Culloden, the last rising of the clans. Yeah. Uh, just for the sheer amount, while the bloodshed is not the same numbers because the armies didn't right. shed no. the same number. But the casualty rates, at least on the Scott yeah. side, was something. So, yeah, but Gettysburg does take a hold, even though it's not the largest mm-hmm. of our Civil War sites. And some say it's not the best uh, preserved. It's definitely one that gets the most recognition. Yeah. Uh, You've been there, Mike? I've not been to Gettysburg. I've been to my parents uh, live basically five miles down the road from Kennesaw. So I've been there a uh, hundred times and it's basically now just a place for people to go on long hikes. walks and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Hikes with their, with their family and, you know, picnics and stuff. I've been to Shiloh, Chattanooga. Chattanooga's um, great. Yeah. Um, and a couple of others from school doing, you know, the yearly uh, field trips and stuff, you know, it's a different battlefields. Yeah. And unfortunately, Atlanta's just been covered over by city. So, you know, yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's really, it, it's really not, a, what is it? Kennesaw's pretty much it, you know, for if you want anything close to that. Yeah. It's, it's stunning. And I, I think I might share some of my photos. If you are watching us on YouTube, please hit that subscribe, subscribe button if you haven't yet and share us with some friends and family. If you're listening, um, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to share at least a few, few photos. So go watch on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, but not before you don't. Hit that follow button on your favorite app. Uh, real quick, guys, we got to take a word from our, our sponsors before we ca- carry on. So take it away, whoever's reading today, today's ad. Grow Generation, where the pros go to grow. For all of your cultivation needs, Grow Generation has the right products, service, and staff to make your grow successful. Go to www.growgeneration.com where the pros go to grow. Thank you guys so much. Uh, appreciate uh, the... the uh, the sponsorship may make sure if you are uh, looking to uh, for grow supplies and you use grow generation that you uh, tell them who sent you there. LRMonline.com. Uh, one of the other things I, I you know, I latched on, on to as, as a, as a youngster was the, the Chamberlain arc. And uh, so much so that I, I think that was the first uh, war biography I ever read, The Heart of a Lion, Soul of a, Soul of a Woman, on, on Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain. And uh, er- everything about the Jeff, Jeff Daniels portrayal is, is great. The, the storyline that they use to set up, you know, certain, like, you know, political aspects and, and some of the as- aspirations of men through conversations with uh, uh, Sergeant Kilrain and his own brother, Thomas Chamberlain. Um, I always kind of, especially after having served myself, really continue to 
relate to to that to uh that thread of it and it's just it's one of those it's one one of those things that uh you you hear it's cliche you you can't understand it unless you've you've lived it um but it's it's absolutely right uh i i'll say a hundred percent i disagreed with iraq and the way it was done especially uh is like well fuck if we're gonna go let's do it right and we didn't you know so i and i served there while disagreeing with with being there but i grieve the losses from from that you know what i'm saying and uh Mm -hmm. it this movie really did a great job of show showing that side uh we always look for accuracy in in military modern military films as uh what my father would know as uh like how well they were how well they had done their mount training their movement over ur- urban terrain you know are they breaking down uh uh ro- rooms right are they clearing properly are they pieing their corners you know yeah i could t- tear stuff like that apart all day and have fun with it you, you know and we're we're going to talk a little bit about the the technical stuff here n- next but it's really hard to do that uh, authentic uh kinship that that bro- brotherhood and and sisterhood uh in in modern de- days uh when it when it comes to to serving and i i i just got to get give it to the the actors uh that put effort into their 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 parts uh, all the names we've mentioned you know Beringer and Sheen and uh uh Daniels and uh even Stephen Stephen Lang I like him as Pickett I really do yeah I, I like him as Pickett as well actually yeah. you know again a character I didn't know but you know you know it was I don't know if this was the real character but it was a very much kind of you know in your face larger than life sort of character very full of himself and you know and and not very kind of, you know, just focused on he's right and everybody's wrong kind of thing. But what I kind of loved about is like the after is seeing him after it all. You know, what I mean, and just how broken, you know, it was. I thought he did a really, really good job. It just that, you know, the just the broken man after, you know, when he he goes to tells him what to do with his division, and he's like, I, I don't have one. You know, they're gone. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought he did a really good job of that because it was just a complete juxtapose from from the way he's been throughout the rest of the, the movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, Pickett was that way. He was, uh, he did meet Lee on the field and that's exactly what all the historians I've ever read said. Uh, I, generally, I, I have no division. Uh, you know, Stephen Lane, you mentioned you did a good job you, the sequel to this is Gods and Generals, which is actually mm-hmm. takes place before mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Lang's plays uh, uh, Jackson. Yeah, and does and a really I thought good he job. Did a fantastic job there. So, but yeah, he did a fine actor. I think kind of underrated. So, is that a, a movie? Yeah, that's, that's a movie, mm-hmm. is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened is the uh, the guy who wrote Michael Killer's Shaw, Angels. Or, his, no. Yeah, my, Michael. Sahara. Yeah. Yeah. Sahara. His mm-hmm. son writes two two books one before that basically takes you from the beginning of the war through uh up to chancellorsville with the death of jackson then his father's book and then they do the last one the last full measure 
which they were going to make a movie on, but they pulled the funding uh, Ted Turner for whatever reason. And so the last movie was not made, but they did do what we call kind of like the reverse order of how Star Wars did their movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, but they did that one. And while the, the effects are a lot less uh, spe- uh, 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 reenactors and stuff like that, and some of the computer graphics not good, uh, the acting was well and the historical following of the story I thought was well. So yeah, it's it, to me, it's a movie it's worth checking out. I'll need, to, I'll need to watch that then. Yeah, they get a... So uh, it's set annual... before this one? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's called uh, uh, Gods and Generals. Yep. Yeah. So and, is that uh, kind of like about how the war started or the first battles yes. of the yeah. war or something? It goes from oh, the bull run, uh, you get the director's cut, it cuts up a little bit into Antietam, but mainly it concentrates on bull run, Fredericksburg, Chancellorsville. Yep. Yeah, uh, and it opens up where the U.S. Army is offering Lee command as yeah. as he's, you know, in the United States Army. While Virginia's considering secession, Lee was offered to command the the, the Army, and he just yeah. couldn't bring himself, like he says there, to fight, in, Virginia. To fight against Vir- Virginia. So the Union wanted him in charge yeah. of their yeah. side. He's one y'all, re- uh, y'all realize that when the Mexican-American War ended, Lee was on the staff of uh, uh, General Scott, the main American commander of mm-hmm. Mexico City, and he proclaimed Lee the greatest American soldier ever. The, yeah. yeah, he owed the victory mm-hmm. to Lee, uh, some of his scouting and his engineer reports and stuff. So he's a very well-known man, the family Lee, you know, this uh, Revolutionary War hero's son, Light Horse Harry Lee, and, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, he was off in command, but he couldn't bring himself to fight against Virginia. Nope. And it's it's really great, like I s- said, that this movie did not sit out with any agenda at no. all. They just present mm-hmm. everyone as as they they are and hope that the audience... And back then, and and most people today managed to, you know, take, yeah, sure, there's these politics that are going on above all these guys' heads, but we're here in these guys' heads, and these guys are are humans, you know. Uh, Soldiers. They're Mm -hmm. soldiers, and that's kind of how they they approach it. And with that, uh, there's one, one last part about the characters stuff that i i would love to talk about and that's lee's uh mannerisms uh that tony my father brought up um and his interactions uh of dressing down and hearing grievances from his soldiers and uh this this actually leads us into the last part which is our our accuracy uh with the way he gave his orders, Dad, how he received grievances about the the first day not taking the the hill when Yule, you know, sat there and just basically told what was it Trimble to to fuck yeah. off, um, more or less. Kinda, yeah, kind of go into some of the some of this stuff, like you said, led to Lee's failure here. Yeah, well, Lee didn't have a, a big staff. He had just a uh, three or four favorites. Uh, not only the staff that you would have seen in during the age of Napoleon or the mm-hmm. Prussians or anything like that. And his mannerisms were, you know, he's the ultimate 
Southern gentleman. So when he said, you know, hey, see if you can get those people off the, the hill, uh, that doesn't leave a lot of, uh, uh, it leaves a lot of gray area. You know, if you told Jackson, get those people off the hill if you can, or if they use the term applicable, uh, Jackson would have took them off the hill. That's mm -hmm. the type of general Jackson is. But when Jackson died, he was replaced in charge of the second corps by Yule, who had lost a leg. Okay, yeah. so a lot of these guys that lost legs, they were up uh, using something called laudamin, which is yep. opium and uh, uh, alcohol-based. And so he never was given orders with so much leeway, with so much gray area. Jackson waited to the last moment to tell his generals, this is what I want you to do, and this is how you're going to do it. That's not Lee. Lee's like gives a lot of leeway. He's used to Jackson. He's used to Longstreet. Uh, I wrote a paper and backed a public on maybe do my dissertation on something along these lines about the differences between what we call the direct order or and or and a content of the order and the spirit of the order. Mm -hmm. uh, Lee Lee relied on uh, people understanding the spirit. Well, he had the wrong commanders at Gettysburg for this. Mm. A.P. Hill, great division commander, fought under both Jackson and Longstreet, where they basically dictated commands to him. So right. they didn't have that, that spark of initiative the way Jackson did, or even Longstreet. And so uh, you got, I mean, again, an army commander is ultimately responsible for victory or defeat, no matter yeah. what. That's Lee's drawback, in my opinion, is he just did not, you know, he just did not know, uh, he was unwilling to dress him down the way they should have been. I mean, look in the movie with uh, Stuart. That was Stuart, that was him chewing Stuart out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was not, that was not a big butt chewing. <laughs> not no, it was yeah, you're right. <laughs> what I've had. But to Stuart, that was a major butt chewing. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I'd say that's an area that well, costly, especially at Gettysburg. Yeah. Um, Mike, getting into accuracy for, for this film, as you grew up with it, having seen it a few, few times, and as you get into more history, uh, kind of take us through what it what it's like to see a, a movie that pays this much attention to a, a battle of this scale's accur accuracy. Well, it's one of the best to show students, you know, the kind of the the reality of the Civil War and, and the kind of the the con of the actual battles. Right. Because you, you can go into and look at, you know, a couple different movies. And this one takes, you know, I think we've covered it before that this one took a lot of detail in, in making sure that their reenactors were portraying both sides, making sure the the. Uh, the outfits were correct, making sure that the marching was correct. You know, you, you had everything pretty much lined up. And I know it's early 90s filming, so it's not like what we have today where, you, you know, the, the boom cameras are swooming in. You know, some yeah. of those, you could kind of tell they're see on a the crane. and Yeah, truck. you could kind of yeah. see the crane or the, you know, the, the Jeep that they're, you know, trying to drive through steadily. And it's, you know, and it's, it's a, the editing was done properly. But, you know, um, it, it shows a young generation that this this was a kind of the last you know type of war that we see you know amongst uh, you know um, brothers and stuff in this country and and the 
totality of it, if you're marching, your orders are to march ahead and go towards, you know, your enemy, you know, the people you're supposed to go against. And you know that you're taking on fire and you got to keep going and marching. Even if the guy next to you drops, you keep marching. And it's like, you know, that's uh, every time we get to that part or I show the clips of it um, and now in today's classes, I'll show, you know, like how many of you would stay there continuing marching into cannon fire, into, you know, muskets, you know, shooting right into you point blank range. Of course, all of them say, nope, wouldn't do it. They'd be running the other way. So it tells you like how different a mentality it was to serve on both sides, the union and Confederacy that these guys, you know, were, you know, this was not for money. This was not for fame. This is for what they believed in and kept going, you know, and that's what they kept driving forward. And you got that in the messages a lot, you know, is for Virginia, you know, for, you know, for our brothers, you know, here. And so I, I think this is one of the greatest examples of media or films you can use to show, what it was like to to serve during that time period absolutely it's uh it's aw awesome that they they got to film a lot on location now mm -hmm. for people that have not been to the the town uh re recently um there is been, there has been a lot of development but uh the scale uh they they film in a location where they do a lot of reenactments near nearby uh, for, to stand in for some of the places that are just too tourist heavy to shut down mm -hmm. uh, for thing, things like that. And uh, they did shut down a lot of places. They had to bring in uh, uh, dirt and leaves and things to cover up uh, tra trails and paths to, to film on like little round top. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've stood where uh, that, you know, the famous, Day, day two's most famous for the Battle of Little Round Top, both in the the movie and in in reality. Um, and, and I've stood where the line started, where the line refused, and and you know I've been to to uh, I didn't I had a little what was he three three at the time uh, toddler with me and my wife, uh, so we we couldn't walk Pickett's Charge, but I stood where you know. Uh, Pickett's division comes out and I stood at the high water mark and I just look at that and all I can think about is modern combat you know that's how I w was trained that's how I analyze everything to my to my detriment in war games against my father who knows how to fight like this shit because <laughs> I don't <laughs> And it's just insane, Cam. The the movie tr tries to give you scope, but this battlefield, like my dad said, it's not even the biggest, but when you're there, it feels both massive and claustrophobic at the same time to where you're you're really like, yeah, cannon are that close on that hill? I'm, I'm fucked. I don't want to walk across that. Yeah, they, I mean, I, I, one of the lines I loved in the, the movie was when, you know, they're all kind of hunkered down before they kind of make the charge and they're in the trees mm -hmm. and there's just cannonballs, you know, cannonballs hitting. And one of the guys says, don't move around because <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's either going to hit you or it's fucking not going to hit you. It doesn't, <laughs> you can't find a better spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and you're like, Jesus, man, that would be horrific. And then, you know, you know, they're, they're just waiting at that point, you know. Um, and so, 
defenceless themselves, really, at that point, because their artillery is obviously gunning them as well, but from a completely different location. So, you know, it's um, yeah, that that was kind of eye opening as well. But you know, that, I guess that's warfare. One yeah. thing I wanted to ask oh, about that I didn't kind of is, do you know how they have the English guy in it, the red coat? Yeah, you know that turns up. Was, was he? Was so he was really there, and that's, oh, yeah. that's kind of historically accurate. And everyone, he kind of felt, right, right. So he was he kind of recorded a lot of what happened and stuff like that. Because yeah. he kind of felt a little bit out of place, like, like almost to me, like he just turned up for them to explain, you know, why <laughs> they were fighting them. this war sometimes uh, and stuff like that. But maybe that's that's what it is. So when so when he he came into the movie, it wasn't anything he did, but he just seemed to be kind of like. So you know, tell tell me what yeah, tell me tell me what's happening here. You know, I mean it just kind of felt like that a lot of bit. And I wondered if that was something he'd kind of added in or whether he really was there. So there you go, I get I get my answer. Yeah. Uh I would like to kind of talk a bit about d- day one, which I actually feel while Cam says he really enjoys this uh aspect or th- this part of the film, and I, I do too. I love you know, we get introduced in the film through uh uh Harrison the spy the scout for the for Longstreet and he's yeah. a great character to to follow through this to to the end a, as well but Dave one's battle with Buford's skirmishers and his 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 broken down cav, cav unit uh while waiting on Reynolds reinforcements uh that that is severely understated in this in this movie. Uh, Buford was not in good shape show, showing up and was in horrific shape <laughs> at the end of the uh, at the end of the the first day. And uh, um, Sam, uh, not Neil, uh, Elliot. Elliot, Elliot. Th- thank you, <laughs> Sam Elliot, the the biggest you know American cowboy actor guy oh, yeah. you could th- think of. When you when you think of those grizzly type things and Big Lebowski and uh, thank you for smoking and uh, uh, this um, Roadhouse, do not forget about don't Roadhouse. Forget Ro- Roadhouse. Uh, um, what do you, what do you think about that, Dad? And and uh, is it cool? I I like how they they set it up very character driven, but the understatement on the bat battle of of day one. Yeah, well, what he did is you got to remember he rides in. This is even after the Confederates had been in town and back and going back in to uh, uh, get a cache of shoes, so the story goes. Because uh, as you can see in the movie, when they show Confederates walking up Cache Tom Pike, a lot of them are barefoot. This is very accurate. You know, Confederates were very under equipped. There was no set uniforms for the Confederates, most cases. But uh, the thing about dismounted cavalry is. People also got to realize that right off the bat, when cavalry fights dismounted, they lose one fourth of their command because one guy has to hold his horse and mm-hmm. three other horses mm-hmm. for the three other guys to go fight on foot. So you effectively take one fourth of your force out when you fight dismounted. That's just the way it works. It's usually one guy holding four horses. And of course, he also, and they kind of touch on it, he has one of his other uh, brigades covering up on the road from uh, Harrisburg, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, General er- er- uh, Ewell's Corps is supposed to come through. So, you know, uh, 
you got to give a lot of credit for Buford's caliber because Buford's also firing with Sharps uh, rifles. Okay, they load much quicker than a muzzle loading rifle. So he's got an increased firepower compared to uh, his first uh, brigade coming up. And so, you know, the fact that he's able to hold the way he does is really fantastic. He saves the day for the Union until the Union gets more troops up there under Reynolds. Uh, if he had not done the battle they did, uh, yeah, the Confederates would have occupied the high ground, uh, would have ended the war, hard to say, but it definitely would have changed the way things followed. Yeah, you know. for certain, absolutely. Um, you know, I can't disagree with any of that. Mike, you got anything you would like to touch on on, on day, day one, historically or movie-wise? No, I think, you know, I think your dad basically nailed it perfectly on that. How, you know, Buford does an incredible job maintaining the high ground. You know, yeah. there's one thing that they don't show, and this is a shame, but, you know, you, you follow the books, what they were doing. Right. Is the the failure to take Gettysburg, or at least the, the uh, uh, Cemetery Hill, uh, on the first day, it also falls on to some troops who were at Chancellorsville was routed by the Confederates, so the 11th Corps, Howard's Corps. They were mainly of German immigrants or mm -hmm. German descended immigrants. And they break. And they're the ones that flee through the town and, you know, uh, they're not pressed as well as they should have, according to a lot of historians. But, uh, you know, that was a unique part of the story. I thought it would have made a, an interesting story. And the director's cut of this movie, they touch on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, they touch on the failure of taking the hill and Lee meeting with Yule and all that. You don't see that in the regular cut of the movie. Uh, they just concentrate mainly on that one aspect of Buford and uh, Heath's uh, division. Yeah. You know, Harry Heath. Harry Heath. Lee always called him by his first name, which is weird. God, there's no real thing about them being best buds or anything, yeah. but... Um, I've been called by my first name by some of my sergeant majors and first sergeants and always made me feel kind of strange than calling, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, I didn't uh, so. even like my peers using my, my first, my first name. It was Malone for my peers. Is fine. Sorry, yeah, I, 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 that's why I call you. Yeah. Cam calls call me you Malone. Malone. I, <laughs> I still, still respond, respond to it. But you know, if you were, my subordinate sergeant malone or if you needed to be you know super formal staff sergeant or sergeant first class depending on the year but uh yeah uh it's always interesting my sergeant major wants to call me by my first name i was oh, going to argue i i wouldn't <laughs> i either i just i don't like i don't like that type of thing because i i know peers that were first name guy hey ian what, what what's up derek like no my my first my first name for seventeen years was something I I rarely heard because even at home with my wife it's babes sweetie you know a, a pet name or, or something like that or hey dumbass from my you know dad <laughs> oh that's hey, Red Foreman Red joke Foreman's guys <laughs> you know Lee uh, it was you know I know you're on the first day but even on the last day when they show Lee meeting up with a uh, uh, Longstreet, the very end, uh, Lee calls Longstreet Pete. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, 
And it shook Longstreet up like, okay, something's major here. And of course, uh, one of the things that they figured also that could have helped the North win that was a, something that was a drawback for the South is Lee had heart problems. Mm. Okay. Uh, angina was a normal thing for him to have quite a bit, but he had heart problems. There was uh, speculations that he might have had a, a mild heart attack mm. sometime during this battle that, that threw Lee off. Uh, so who knows? It wouldn't uh, be that surprising considering everything that was going on really with it and how poor medicine was in those days, um, you know, in terms of treating these kind of things. So, you know, whenever someone has got an issue and they're placed in an extreme situation, um, you know, yeah, it just it wouldn't happen in, in modern day, you know, um, because, you know, somebody with a, if, if they were that susceptible, maybe wouldn't be in command, possibly, I don't know. But, um, yeah, um, but yeah, you know, in those days, and life expectancy was so short, especially at that period yeah. of time, you know, with so many people fighting in the war. I mean, so many young men just gone before, right. before the, long before their time. They touch on that with that last scene. Well, not the last scene of the movie, but the, in the third day where he's sitting there, you almost see on his face the way Martin Sheen played. Like, he is having some difficulties yeah. physically, not just mentally. So yeah. it, it, it's a high, it's highly possible. You know, I'm calling Pete, you know, Longstreet Pete, that kind of, those are like, okay, something's wrong here. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. As the movie gets into its action knee part uh, in in day two, it really surrounds the twentieth Maine Colonel Joshua Lawrence Ch- Chamberlain's group. Uh, he's the heart of the movie. He takes you along for the the emotional ride. He's got a uh, his brother as a member of his staff. Uh, they got a unique relationship. You know, stop, don't call call me Lawrence. I I, I love that. <laughs> interaction there there um the uh battle for little round top historically is always called a key point in in the in the battle as it was lee's push and intent to do exactly as chamberlain's told to prevent fold that flank roll up behind them like a like a wheel and mm-hmm. they come down the hills on the on the other right. side and just take take it out take it out and here you have this this broken uh unit of of less than 10% strength of what it what it started um and it's sitting at uh um or excuse me, less than twenty percent. A thousand was it that they started? And he's down to uh, less than three hundred. Usually, so. regiments at the beginning of the war would start around a thousand. Yeah, so he's, he's 20 percent strength. Manages to convince a group of uh, would-be deserters, would-be you know mutineers, so to speak, speak uh, to pick up arms again, and that's. Uh, See, I want that. What I wanted to ask. I mean, how he did that is that historic, or was that recorded, or are they just saying, you know, there's that just them taking liberties as saying how how would they have done it because we don't know how he did it. You know, this do we know that? Yes, yes. Uh, he's uh, written about that aspect. Now, what what specific words? How close the the words are. Uh, that I don't know, but indeed he did have a group of 
of uh, yes. the second main that he did convince to pick up arms. Yeah. After they had intended to never do again. Uh, well, the uh, thing was an argument between whether you signed three years or four year enlistments and, mm-hmm. and who uh, the, the government had a tendency for. of extending enlistments, whether you liked it or not, once yep. the war started. Uh, so, uh, you know, and again, it goes to show you how uh, different parts of the country looked at things differently. They were main men. So for the most part, they were probably outdoors men, lumberjacks, things like that. Uh, very rural type characters, much like what the South had, you know, not city boys for the most part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've been very independent. Yeah. And it would be this interesting character of Chamberlain being in, in charge as he's a uh, professor, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he's a professor from the state of Maine. Like my father's talking about, you know, upbringing and, and, and the, the culture and lifestyles up, up there. So you've got, you know, the brainiac of lumberjacks and outdoorsmen and campers and, and or not campers, but, you, you know, outdoorsmen and, and hunters and, and trappers and th- things like that. And um, he gets to to bring the this 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 unique emotional thread to uh, an action uh, crescendo, if you if you if you will, for uh, his arc in, in day two at the Battle of Little Round Top, where. He thins out his line. He then uses um, math and angles to <laughs> to uh, uh, basically extend the flank, so to speak, as the Confederates continue to try to move further and further to their right, his left. And the big heroic charge down Little Round Top, which I can say is definitely not e- easy to terrain. Um and that's one of the locations they were actually able to close off and and use for for filming. Uh, they brought in like the leaves and things to cover tra- trails and roads. Uh, it's a huge deal, and I will say, uh, unfortunately, Mike had to go every every once, so it's just Cam and Tony and my myself. But uh, I I would like to ask Cam, would, would this kind of be in the big big first action bit and and set piece for this film? What did you think of of this? Uh, I mean, the historical significance of it, the characters, you know, that's what connected to me as an as an actual cinematic battle yeah. to fight. You know, those there's reasons we don't make a massive amount of movies set set during these wars because they don't kind of lend lend themselves to that just simply because of how rural the the technology is that they're using at the time, you know, it's that that way that they've literally got to pour gunpowder into their guns and and do all that before every shot, you know. So it's like, you know, it's a completely different kind of warfare from 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 what we're used to, you know. And it wasn't even too long after that. It was really the, the Civil War created a lot of. Um, innovation didn't it in terms yes. of uh, arms and warfare and everything like that. so everything really kind of picked up after that and and of course when the the next major kind of war if you like happened that was obviously world war one was a completely different kettle of fish you know in, in terms of the kind of guns that they were using you know um and all that sort of stuff um so that that's i think a lot, a lot more 
sort of cinematic to me in terms of exciting. But then, you know, I'm I'm looking at it in two points of view as an entertaining movie for someone who's not American and doesn't kind of know the history and then just kind of learning about history. So for me, it was, it, I enjoyed the movie for the historical aspect, but I, I didn't find it particularly exciting um, to watch the battles, if that yeah. makes sense. It's not like a, like a blood pumping type ex- excitement. No. But... And I, one thing I thought, that I, I, I didn't particularly enjoy the score of the film either. I thought it kind of was too, twee, like too, you know, like almost like a playing a national anthem all the way mm. through it, you know, like, um, <laughs> I can kind of see that. I, and, and, you know, that's fine if you use that, if that's a little scene that you move, use in certain moments, but it's just, it's going all the way through it, you know, um, and, and I just, I, 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 yeah, I didn't enjoy the score. Um, at all in the movie, I have to admit. Um, but um, but yeah, historically, I you know I, I, I found it really interesting. It's kind of funny the the score because, uh, like I said, I, I was serving my second tour at Fort Campbell when they uh, uh, brought this movie out, and from that point on, from Fort Campbell to where I was stationed down at Fort Benning as a drill sergeant, stuff a lot of our. Uh, ceremonies and stuff they'd play the score yeah as the openings to it it was quite popular at least yeah. i mean i could military. see how that that would work for like some sort of ceremony yeah. or something like that but to hear but, it continue you know for four, it, four it, hours. that's the thing they could have used it at some parts you know like yeah. um they, 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 that it's just almost like a very similar kind of section of it they, they, that just keeps going all the way through it, you know, Um, and it got a bit too much for me, I guess, at the end. Yeah, and, you know, of course, speaking of the end, you got the big thing of day day three, Pickett's Charge, uh, that last-ditch effort to to take what they are hoping would be a weekend center, uh, not understanding that um, you guys don't have... uh, uh, howitzers uh that we got today um you don't have laser guided artillery and cannon art fire back in those days while it could be incredibly devastating it was not incredibly accurate and no reliable not at all ammo uh i mean even even the actual guns weren't particularly accurate in in those days do you know what i mean so you know and and a lot of them would just blow up in people's faces as, as well. You know, there was a, a whole element of that going on in, in those days with early firearms. But yeah, cannons were very much kind of, you know, they hadn't quite worked out the the whole geometry of, you know, like nowadays if you're in the military, you know, and you're you're going to fire in something, you know, it's, you know, you're working that out geometry-wise based on, you know, how far that will go based well, I mean, on they, the they elevation. Back, back then as well, but, but it wasn't as much that, of a science Yeah, they can't, they can't can quite today. put, you know, because they don't know exactly what's going to happen, you know, Your each time. So it's judgment call a little bit. Different yeah, quality. They can put too much exactly. in, you know, it's, not, it's just not so, regimented the same way. That, that brings up a big aspect of of day three which is lee's insistence that that his bat batteries his cannon are going to be able to do what he orders and Mm -hmm. uh tony dad um was that 
really that big of a of a folly because of the technology, the unreliable ammunition. Will your canister do what it's supposed to do? Will your ball do what it's supposed to do? Not totally. There's a couple things that people got to realize that uh, drove lead to the idea of the third day anyways. On the second day, the movie don't cover this, while Little Round Top's being assaulted and, of course, the Devil's in the Peach Field, there was a brigade under Anderson that actually charged up and made it to that little stone wall area. And, of course, if they had been properly supported, they probably could have broke the center then. So it gives Lee this idea that, yes, he can break it. Now, as for the artillery, yeah, the artillery pieces, they're not much different for the most part, especially on the Confederate side, than some of the guns used back in 1815 at Waterloo, you know, 12-pound Napoleons and stuff. Uh, Lee's confidence was in the fact that his overall artillery commander, a guy named Pendleton, he's not that great of a guy, but Lee always favored Virginians and friendship and things like that. But under, uh, uh, I would say it was probably uh, second corps, I think he had uh, artillery, was a guy named uh, uh, Edward Porter Alexander. And he was a brilliant uh, uh, artilleryman and mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, so, and he was one of the ones responsible for breaking up a lot of the charges of the Union at Fredericksburg. In fact, the movie even mentions, you know, like the, uh, uh, Colonel Alexander, who's a colonel at the time, uh, he'll do like he did at Fredericksburg and break up their things. Yeah. Uh, again, the accuracy is bad. Uh, the Confederates overshot. And one thing, and I think they kind of do this in the movie a little bit when they do that big panoramic shot of all the cans firing off, mm-hmm. is that. They had they didn't have smokeless gunpowder, so you know your own smoke and stuff, and your own guns firing. Plus, where the land, that's crowding vision, that's uh, clouding yeah. the vision, and so that makes it less accurate. Um, so yeah, the cannons were not as 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 uh, uh, effective as Lee had hoped. The Union had a very good uh, artillery man in charge of all the artillery, a guy named mm-hmm. General Hunt who rotated his guns in and out. And as he rotated his guns in and out, because, you know, these barrels get really hot. Really like Cam said, they can blow up easily sometimes. As they re- pulled them in and out, sometimes that gave the impression of lessening of the Union fire, which could give the Confederates the idea, of, hey, our guns are being quite effective. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, one of the biggest mistakes, and the movie plays it in a part, and I still to this day don't know why, the Confederates didn't do this is at the Emmitsburg Road just prior to getting up there on the little bit of what they call cemetery, uh, cemetery Ridge there mm-hmm. towards the clump of trees, a little wall. There's picket fences. Well, in that tight style of fighting, marching in line stuff, that fence makes you pause to get over that fence. Why it was not cleared at night. Yeah. Sending what we call pioneers, or what today we call you engineers, <laughs> leading that, that way crap down. Uh, I don't know. Or uh, even awesome. even having a few of your your guns on your opening vow. Uh, 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 what's the V word on uh, your opening volley of fire? Having a couple of guns aiming for those o- obstacles. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, obstacles is, is uh, even today. 
you know, that's one of you, though I never had an engineer do me an obstacle in my life. You turned down uh, engineer's assistance but, in, in the de desert. You but, said, uh, ain't no uh, engineer that's gonna what, dig my, my uh, uh, bunk bunker. That, that's one of the things that engineers are supposed to do is uh, erect or destroy uh, obstacles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in place, erect, or, or destroy it. Uh, again, it's a critical mistake yeah. very critical absolutely and you know the movie does a great job of of foreshadowing like uh cam brought up uh long street tom Berenger's character uh where he predicts what's go going to happen very similar to what you know buford does on day day one where he predicts what could happen uh if they don't if things aren't playing out playing out the way he hopes they have been uh longstreet gives something more prophetic and the movie shows the the sheer t terror of marching across this field and like i said i i couldn't walk at all but guys it's it's not a sh it, it, is it short relative to riding a, a bike or a gator yeah sure <laughs> you know if you had a golf oh, cart but it is not something you would want to walk while being fired at with cannon overhead, you know, can, can, uh, uh, exploding shot, cannon, you know, canister shot waiting on you, freaking volley fire from, from long rifles. Uh, it is a beast. And right, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, here's one thing that I do hold against the movie somewhat, and it's not the movie's fault. Is that you know you talk about Longstreet and you know people saying well you know Longstreet was right. Uh, it leads people to believe that you know Lee's tactics itself were just totally off. He should never have attacked. You know always yeah. what Longstreet wanted is you you are offensive strategically. In other words, you get the enemy where you want him to be, and then you wait for him to attack you, which is is a sound strategy. It dates back to Napoleon and. You know, the ultimate god of war, Klaus Fitz and stuff. But uh, there are some historians that, uh, and it, it's got some validity to it, that Longstreet drug his heels, not only on the second day, uh, uh, but he sort of drug him a little bit on the third day, too. And that's not taken away. Again, Lee's ultimately responsible for the defeat. He's right. the general in charge. But... Uh, the movie does give an impression that, you know, Longstreet was 100% right. And uh, I'm just not so sure that that's the correct way to look at it. But then again, you know, it's a movie and I'd encourage people to read several books from different sides along with the movie to get a better understanding of the movie. Because again, it's a well done movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And like Cam had mentioned something that happens here to, to wrap up day three, the, the result of Pickett's char charge, which is failure and the, the kind of final moment, if you, if you will, even though you still have the whole, Hey, we'll, we'll charge again. We can get them. And that, that, yeah, that, that, that moment is, is great, but it's, it's Pickett's reaction. That line, I, I have no division and yeah. just the idea, something that, that we kind of make fun of these days in, in the modern military on, on like what an officer's job is and how much 
care an officer has over enlisted. And there's things about, you know, inner inner service rivalry and some of it's good fashion ribbing. Some of it's goes too far, but back then these, these officers, these men were, they were numbers in the heat of battle, but every death is, is felt. It's, it's not, that wasn't just picket losing, you know, an ass set. That was picket losing bits and pieces of, of himself. Oh yeah. They loved her. They loved her men. They loved her units. Not all did, but a vast majority did. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the, the line that goes with it. That when Lee's talking to Longstreet saying, you know, the, to be a good soldier, you have to love the army, but to be a good commander, you have to be willing to send into the, uh, to kill or defeat that thing that you love. Mm-hmm. And so it weighs heavy on you. And I think again, as Mike said earlier, the humanization of the story, they made these men human. You know, the movie's about the human aspect more than just the, the battle itself. Absolutely. And and it's that that aspect, again, that humanizing of the not not in, a, in you know, as grand a scale in recent times had there been a, a civil war. You know, the like uh, the G- English gentleman says, you know, the British civil war that, mm. that they refer to is, you know, a long, yeah, a long, long, long time ago. You know, yeah, I mean, that was fought with swords and shields mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know, it's completely different. Yeah, Ex- exactly. And and a lot of your conflicts during the colonial era aren't necessarily civil wars, even though sometimes civil wars br- broke out along with big, bigger fights. Uh, it's often you know the big players of Spain and France and the in the UK. Yeah, the big colonies, yeah. you know, basically try to one up each other and and right. competing over, you know, it's, yeah, most of them were were just lining rich people's pockets more. Mm-hmm. That that's all it was, you know. That and that, let's be honest, that that covers the majority of wars over the years. But you know, a lot of that era, you know, the British Empire, the Spanish Empire, French, you know, it, it really was just you know. For for money, for for resources, you know, mm-hmm. to, to own somewhere and, and make money off it and, and become more powerful as a result, you know, it was a completely different type of situation, you know, a civil war is something different, but, um, you know, yeah, I mean, you, you could call, I suppose, the battles between Scotland and England wasn't really a civil war because, you know, they very much... You know, although we're now one country, if you like, um, the the and but you still have that rivalry. You know, yeah. even now it's sporting wise and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, like we we our football teams played each other a week ago or so, and it was you know it, it was like war. But um, but you know, other than that, we basically have the same government. Um, so it's it's, it's different now. But yeah. you know, at that time they were they weren't. It wasn't like a civil war. It was you know that was very much two sides. It just so happened to be they were right next to each other over a very small wall. Yep, uh, Hadrian's, and it's it's awe it's it's awe inspiring. Like I said, because you don't have uh, any recent history of this idea of friends fighting each other brothers families torn torn apart over over states over slavery over uh uh 
all all sorts of interpersonal things at l lower levels, let alone you know the the big topics at the government le levels, and uh, it's shocking. It it really is. You get a little bit of it at, in the American Revolutionary War in the uh uh uh, but not to this extent. Yeah, and yeah, it's, with it's, a it's, lot uh, more hatred there, it's, it's a lot towards each different. other. Yeah, because um, you know, again, you've still got one, you know, force trying mm -hmm. to exert its rule on another. You know, what I mean, exactly. and it's, it ultimately has the fight to 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 manage your own fate. You know, which mm -hmm. is ultimately what most of the conflicts that either England or France or Spain or Britain or anything like that got into was was usually that. You know, they've conquered somewhere and the people actually after a while just said, you know what, we're fed up with you guys and we want to take it back again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, so yeah. that pretty much wrap, wraps it up, guys. This is a great movie to watch. Uh, the, the battle scenes are absolutely accurate as far as you know showing what it was like to reload <laughs> while you know moving uh how how you have to march in, in a line and you know one of the most devastating aspects of the civil war and something that the military struggles for even to this day in in some as aspects is when the technology surpasses the tactics and you you mm. field a technology that um isn't uh hasn't your your tactics haven't ad adapted to and in this case well, the Civil I mean, War, you're talking uh uh more accurate rifling and and uh faster loading rifles including your er early repeaters um uh, especially in pistols there were some uh repeating carbines there of course was the gatlin gun out out west but that wasn't that that big of a, a usage but the the uh, colonial era, the Napoleonic, uh, line them up, march them across until you can mm. see the white of their their eyes. That became a hell of a lot lot more deadly because of these rifles that could all of a sudden reach out and, and touch you from a lot further away. And well, you know we, we have these things as well. Sorry, on you. Oh, I was just saying one more thing that drives the tactics people forget is that uh, communications was done through bugle calls, drums, and flags. Yep. Thus, for you to command such your larger units, you had to have them with an earshot and eye shot. Yeah. And that was one of the driving forces of the tactics. It's not like today that you can spread out and you got, nowadays, uh, almost every individual soldier's got a communication device. Yes. You know, in my day, it was every squad had a communication yep. device. And so that's another big driving thing. It's still technology driven, uh, but uh, communications was, well, that's one of the bad things on the battlefield. And you all know that communication is essential to a victory. You know, we shoot, move, and communicate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, speaking of moving, we're going to move, move on and wrap it up and say thank you to uh, Mike. I know you had to leave early, bud, but we really appreciated you be, being here. Uh, Cam, as as always, for helping me hold this down and for uh, uh, letting letting us get uh, uh, two, two picks in for the good old U U.S. of A before he will select the next war movie we're going to yeah, That's with. going to be USA as well, to be fair. So, okay. um... Do you already know it, Cam? 
Um, no, um, okay. it's it's going to be something Vietnam based. So okay. um, I haven't decided. I've, I've, I'm kind of there's three that I'm I'm debating between All right. um, at and the moment. The best way you guys will know what Cam picks is when you follow us on Twitter at LRM under, underscore exclusive. Uh, myself, I'm at that that Kyle Malone on on Twitter. Uh, we got a lot of really great things here on the youtube channel if you're watching us there a lot of celebrity interviews robert duvall who actually plays lee in the gods and generals movie uh does a really good job as well i like sheen better but duvall does a good job job uh we've we've got a a lot of a lot of a-list uh celebrities and and creators and and film and comics all of that as well as all of our great podcasts include uh the daily cog our daily show uh every every morning um, live on Thursdays, which is kind of kind of cool. Uh, the anime versal reviews, Marvel's covering Loki on on Thursdays, as well as Breaking Geek Radio and the Cantina, where you can hear me and my my Scottish compatriot speak at length about Star Wars. Uh, and of course, thank you very much to Tony Malone uh, for bringing in some expert. Uh, uh, analysis on this on this uh battle and this film and uh my dad thank you so thank you uh, all nice to meet everybody yep uh cam anything you need to plug for the site or anything no you can find me at lrm underscore cam if you want to get in touch on twitter all right guys thank you so much uh keep an eye out for what cam selects and we'll talk to you next month bye Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 